Blog Talk Radio. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. You will pay homage to me for the next two hours as I guide you through this crazy world of sports as I am on loan from God to be your host for the next two hours. 917-889-8516 is our digits. So glad that you are with us today. We got a great lineup for you today. Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, not able to join us, but we did get his thoughts on the breaking news and the funny season. We'll get into that in our racing segment in the next half hour uh, with Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. But James Hinchcliffe uh, coming up short and not having a ride in 2020, uh, still under uh, contract with Errol Schmidt. Uh, same thing with uh, Wickens. So we'll get his thoughts on that. Big, big news in the IndyCar funny season. Also, one of the biggest matchups in week nine by far, two teams trying to find their way. The Pittsburgh Steelers host the Indianapolis Colts, and we've got on deck standing by in the balanced green room. Kyle Courtney, our, uh, the uh, Steelers super fan, if you will. We're going to break down that game, the X's and O's, that's to happen tomorrow at Heinz Field. And I'm sure that the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are more than ready uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. But don't fall asleep on the Indianapolis Colts. That's for sure. They have shown. So he's going to help. He's going to. We're going to play. We're both going to play our homework card. And then uh, coming up at 930, we got Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. going to be breaking down some NASCAR playoff action. Again, uh, talking some more IndyCar. In the next hour, we've got. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, Tony D from the Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast, breaking down college football. And then in the last half hour, we're going to be breaking down some more NFL with Ed Kratz, uh beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor, and Mo from the BS Sports Show. So I'm going to tell you what, don't even freaking sneeze. Don't do anything, because we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. All right, well, go ahead and get you some coffee. One thing I don't want you to do, I don't want you to shave as we're kicking off. No shave November. We'll get into that as also. Double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. 
see live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad, the I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow, will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. The Colts are back on the road this week hoping to keep their mojo going, which is how the Steelers are feeling as they try to claw their way back to the 500 mark. Predictions are on the way, but first let's crunch some numbers. Steelers fans finally saw the kind of game from James Conner last week that they've been expecting all year long. James Conner makes it in! Conner broke through for 145 rush yards last week, a far cry from his previous high in a game this season, which was just 55. Now I know you're thinking he did that against the Dolphins, but Indy's rush D has struggled this season, giving up a hefty 4.8 yards per carry, which is tied for 25th. So Conner could again be the focal point for the Steelers' offense. The Colts' pass D, on the other hand, is coming off one of its better showings of 2019. Flacco is sacked! The Colts sacked Joe Flacco three times and held him to a paltry 174 passing yards, and now they get Mason Rudolph, who didn't exactly light it up on Monday night against a Miami D that most teams have breezed through. Now, when the Colts have the ball, they'll need to make sure they protect their QB better than they did last week. Oh, he loses the football, and Denver got it on the strip. Jacoby Brissett was sacked a season high four times against the Broncos. They'd only allowed seven all year prior to that. 
That pressure played a big role in keeping Brissett from throwing a single TD. And getting to QBs has not been a problem for the Steelers this season. And Fitzpatrick goes down, and it's T.J. Watt. Pittsburgh sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick four times, bringing their season total to 26, tied for sixth most. Their pass rush helps fuel their pass defense, too. They're 10th in passer rating allowed and 13th in passing yards per game allowed. So Brissett will be challenged when he drops back. But still, that might be the preferred route to take because the Steelers have held running backs to just 3.7 yards per carry, 6th best. It's a pretty even contest in a lot of ways on paper, but games aren't won on stats. So who do All right, and welcome back to the Ballots. Thanks to our friends over at NFL.com for that soundbite of the breakdown of the Colts and the Steelers. But joining us now is Super Steelers fan, Mr. Kyle Courtney. Kyle, welcome back to the Balance. How is you, sir? I'm doing well, Tom. It's good to hear from you as well. Are we ready? Are we ready to go, man? I, as I mentioned in my opening monologue, two teams trying to find their way. You guys uh, have went through the quarterback ringer. We'll start with there. You've got Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer uh, <laughs> trying to lead your way, if you will, uh, this weekend. So let's talk about uh, what's going on with Ben. Bring us up to speed. What's going on with Big Ben and uh, what's been going on with your quarterback uh, uh, seesaw, if you will, up and down. Uh, but uh, the good thing, you guys got a very disruptive defense. We'll get into that part of it here in just a second. Uh, but the Pittsburgh Steelers host the Indianapolis Colts at home, uh, and Rudolph uh, is going to be taking a, taking point and leading the charge. Yeah, and first of all, before we get into that, I would like to kind of point out um, a couple of quick stats here. Um, sure. Do you know the last time that the Steelers actually lost to the Colts? Well, it was – They beat it five times in the last five meetings, so however far back that goes. Yep. Whatever date that is. Yeah, uh, and, and the last – since 1997, the Steelers have beaten the Colts eight out of ten times, um, and they've never lost at home in those times. So what, what has been interesting is it kind of has seemed like the, the Colts have had really, really good seasons, but the, the Steelers have just been this weird uh, brick in the wall that they've not been able to overcome time and time again the Steelers have had that with the Patriots uh it's just sometimes you have a team that you just are that they just you match really really well up against and that's what we've seen for years and years and years uh between the Colts and the uh, Steelers but Steelers never played Frank Reich so we'll see what happens on that but uh back to your original question so yes the Steelers have had a little bit of a uh of a uh quarterback carousel uh five five quarters into the season Ben Roethlisberger started complaining that his his elbow wasn't right, and uh, then he immediately went off the field. And then what we found out later was that he had to get off-season sur- or he had to get se- or surgery that essentially ended his entire season. Um, Mason Rudolph was drafted last year in the third round. He was the sixth quarterback drafted behind that kind of historic uh, line of five quarterbacks. And an interesting note is he literally gets to play all five of those quarterbacks that were drafted ahead of him this season, but. What we what you've kind of looked at is Rudolph uh, was was an incredible player in college. Uh, he actually was was a, a teammate with James Washington, who was one of the receivers the Steelers have, and he just lit up uh, lit up the stat sheet at Oklahoma State. But as people know, anything about Oklahoma State wasn't exactly throwing against elite defenses. And when you watch him play, 
you kind of see that his he he anticipates or he try he doesn't anticipate near as much as you want a starting quarterback to do. He's not throwing people open quite as much. He's kind of waiting for his guys to get open. He's lucky to be behind a really good offensive line, so he doesn't get himself into trouble that much. But um, last week, especially even against the Dolphins, he was he did a lot of throwing off his back foot that that looks like it it uh, took the pepper off the ball a little bit. Um, he even had a concussion at some point during the season or uh, during the Ravens game. And then they had to bring in uh, Devil and Duck Hodges, uh, who prior to uh, prior to being a player for them, uh, competed and won many national championships in duck calling, which is apparently a thing. Uh, but it's Alabama, so that's what you can expect. But he he came in and beat the Chargers. Uh, but so they've 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 done just enough to win on offense. Um, their their defense has been absolutely stellar at this point. We can talk more about that as well. But uh, yeah, um, they have a really 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 young uh, wide receiver core. Uh, Juju, who is 23 years old, is the veteran of the group. Uh, Deontay Johnson was a third round pick for them that has just absolutely come on and torn it up. Uh, out of Toledo, who, you know, got to love those Mac conference guys. And, and uh, James Washington has, has slowly kind of climbed his way up. Uh, your old boy, Dante Moncrief, has found himself on the bench for bad, uh, for bad hands. I'm sure that you, you, you as Colts fans, you saw that many, many times. But, uh, yes. but yeah, so the offense will be an interesting matchup. Uh, they aren't going to have James Conner. That's something that from that NFL, from that NFL uh, uh, soundbite, Connor that heard that he joint in the game. Yeah, he's doubtful so, leading into the game. I doubt. I doubt he's going to play. Uh, so they're going to so go with Jalen. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, the guy. I've got some uh, bold predictions r- with uh, Rudolph. I, and, and here's the thing with Jacoby Brissett and Rudolph, two very similar type quarterbacks. In, in the mm-hmm. fact that this is the first year that they're really kind of beginning to to to. Uh, exemplify themselves and we're probably seeing the end maybe not this year maybe not next year but I think we're probably seeing the end of Ben Roethlisberger but it just age you can't out you can't outrun father time believe me I've tried so I think Rudolph today at today tomorrow throws for three touchdowns I mean while the yards have been tough to come by for Rudolph he has been fairly consistent in throwing touchdowns furthermore in the in yep. the, in four of the five games that he's played he's thrown for two touchdowns the only game that that he didn't complete two touchdowns when he got his bell rung by Earl Thomas in uh, Baltimore, against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this week, uh, though, he'll compete with a career-high three touchdowns. And, and let's face it, I mean, uh, the, the Colts' D is struggling. And certainly, I wouldn't put the mm-hmm. Steelers' D in the elite status, but I would certainly uh, put them in the aspect that, that they have the ability to uh, be – uh, disruptive, and I think that that they can be very disruptive to the Indianapolis Colts and Jacoby Brissett. So I think that Rudolph throws for for three touchdowns. What are your thoughts? I, I would agree with that. Um, I think that that he'll, if, if that he's, I mean, I feel like he's going to have to. Um, Jalen Samuels, who's the running back that they're going to go with, has been fine. He really. He had uh, two games last year that he started. He absolutely wrecked the Patriots, but then his second game, he only had like 67 yards on the ground. So they don't have a lot of depth there with Connor not playing. So in and of itself, they're going to have to throw the ball. Um, He's not a short yardage type of back. So if they get on the five yard line, I would expect him to be throwing the ball. And, and, uh, 
that's, I think, what they're going to have to do. So three touchdowns seems sensible, if only because of the fact that I feel like that's what they're going to have to, that's, that's where they're going to have to go. Um, it's interesting that you speak about the defense. So the Steelers the last few seasons have been, have been really, really good at getting after the quarterback. They've been number one in sacks, but they've been terrible at getting turnover, turnovers. Um, ever since they got Minka Fitzpatrick, they're, and and Devin Bush, like they're they're they've switched completely to they they had 15 total turnovers last season and they have 19 already go after seven after seven games. So they've been incredibly opportunistic. They've got up for the quarterback. So yeah, I think that they're going to make Jacoby Brissett's day a little bit rough, especially considering T.Y. Hilton's not going to be there. Like that's a huge blow to the offense. Oh, that's a huge uh, for, huge for blow. Certainly, certainly, we'll get into that later on in our NFL talk. You know, also, what a difference a year makes. Last year, we were looking at Bell and Connor, and Bell getting moved mm-hmm. around, and you know, and then Connor just really just saying, hey, I own this. This is my spot. Now we look at Bell mm-hmm. at the Jets, maybe even being traded yet again, and we look at Connor not being able, able, to, uh, able to play. I also think Rudolph's going to throw for 300 yards uh, tomorrow. The Steelers, miss, Steelers not having Ben Rothberg under center um, – due to his ability to throw the ball at ease. But on the other hand, uh, their offense has, has changed a little bit. So I think Rudolph could throw for 300 yards. And this might be a, a good year if you've got a good week, I should say, if you've got a quarterback on bye and you've got Rudolph uh, just sitting on your bench to fill in the bye week. This might be the week that you might want to throw him in there uh, for a bye week uh, type uh, situation. But I, I certainly think he could throw easily throw for 300 yards tomorrow. I would agree. No, Pierre Desir is out as well, so I hear, right? So who's who's going to come in? Obviously, you have the, the Darius Leonard, but um, Justin Houston. Who else is going to is, is somebody that the, that if you're the Steelers defense, you're real or offense that you're really concerned about on the on the indie side? I, I got a brain fart there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, you're I mean, absolutely that, you're that absolutely right. Best. I mean, yeah. You're absolutely right. The other th- reason why I would say play uh, Rudolph as your as your fantasy quarterback this week, maybe to fill in for one of your buys, is I think he's going to get a rushing touchdown. I mean, dating back Kyle back back to his days with Oklahoma State, Rudolph has never been known for his mobility. As the starter of the Steelers, though, he hasn't shown any signs of improvement in that area in this game, uh, which <laughs> you know, which isn't a knock on him at all. But I just think. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the, the, the weak spots that we're dealing with with the Colts in the defense, I think he gets at least one rushing touchdown. Those are my three bold predictions for Rudolph, uh, the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> I, I, don't think that's, I, I don't think that's an unreasonable thing. I think it would have to be – if he were to get a rushing touchdown, it would have to be like one of those broken plays where he means to – he swings out on a – on a on a on a wheel and it just kind of runs in because there's a lot of open space. Uh, I think he's still a little bit skittish after getting his bell rung uh, by Earl Thomas, but um, the one time he tried to run the ball last week, he ended up losing losing like four yards. So so um, mobility. He has about as much mobility as Ben Roethlisberger does. So watching him kind of lumber down, trying to pick up six or seven yards. Is, is something that, while I I would be ecstatic if he did, uh, we'll, we'll see if it happens. 
We're talking with Kyle Courtney, super cult, uh, super cult fan. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? Super, uh, <laughs> super Steelers fan. Obviously, the Colts and the Steelers. Colts uh, uh, go on the road against the Steelers. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we won in Kansas City in a very hostile environment. So, yes, uh, if, we, if, we, if we want to point to statistics, as, it, as I pointed out in our soundbite there, games aren't won by statistics. But Let's talk a little bit. We'll, we'll get into more of the Colts game uh, uh, later on in our NFL segment, but we certainly do want to talk. Maybe we'll, we'll uh, piggyback off a local radio station here and know your foes. But Jalen Samuels is going to have to come in and be the workhorse and the Swiss Army knife for the Steelers, seeing as how Connor uh, doesn't look like he's going to play. And Samuels ha- ha- had a huge game as a starter against the New England Patriots. And, um, Maybe he can recreate that type of uh, of uh, machine workhorse, if you will. Jalen Samuels, what say you, sir? Yeah, Jalen Samuels. Uh, when he was at NC State, um, he was a weird. He had a weird position. It was like running back slash wide receiver slash tight end. He never really had an. He truly was the equivalent of a Swiss Army knife. Um, when he came in last year as a rookie, James Conner really taught him how to be an actual running back, and. He's he's he had a couple of really really good games to begin the season. Um, when they when when they went down, they were doing some gimmicky stuff with some wildcat with him and and uh, and kind of running him out of the slot. But he's a guy that you can literally line up all over the field. He can be a wide receiver. He can he can you know he can do blocking in the backfield. Um, he's not he, he doesn't have a ton of straight line speed. He's not a big guy like Connor is, so he's not going to have that uh, he's not going to have that uh, that bolt or you know kind of just dropping people four and five people to try and tackle you quite the same but he's I mean he's a good back um I think that he'll I think that he'll be able to to make some some key plays uh, I expect him to be a, a receiver out of the backfield to kind of bail Mason out if things happen but I, I mean we'll, we'll see he's, he did it the one time um he hasn't had a history of being able to be that workhorse back in Pittsburgh so there's a lot of question marks there and I think that that for them the smarter thing the smartest thing is going to be to try and keep keep Mason in positive situations uh, so that he's he's not having to try and completely shoulder that load all by himself. What about Little Watts? I mean, I know we got three Watts in the NFL; they're all brothers, but we we we, we got we got the Little Watt there with the uh, with the Steelers. What are your thoughts? Would you believe that he was a third? He was the thirtieth pick in the first round. You wouldn't, would you? Would you believe that and watch? No, I mean he's the the fact that he, people were calling him like a second or a third round pick, and he has absolutely been a monster on this team. He is probably he 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 is an absolute game wrecker. Uh, one of his plays last week, he sacked Ryan Fitzpatrick, stole the ball from him while he was flipping over Ryan Fitzpatrick, and for and and got the fumble recovery. It was like it was it was one of it was just premium watch. And it's stuff that you've seen JJ do for years and years and years. And TJ in his third season is is coming out swinging uh, like a like a legitimate defensive player of the year type of type of guy. So we'll see if he can, is able to continue that dominance. But people have just not been able to stop him. Jim Juschuster, what say you? Um. Juju's had an interesting season. Uh, he obviously this was his first season without Antonio Brown, so a lot of it was there were a lot of question marks going into the season of whether or not he could be a legitimate number one receiver. Um, I think a lot of those stats have been, 
I would consider some of those stats not super accurate because he had to play with he's had to play with three different quarterbacks this season in seven games. But last week he had a couple of just nasty catches over the over the Miami Dolphins, one where he literally took the ball out of the cornerback's hand and fell in for a touchdown. And those are the type of the things that you look at and go, okay, Juju's, Juju's got it. I think this is going to be a big learning year for him. Um, as his younger receivers start to be more effective, that's going to take a little bit of the pressure off of him. And that's what I expect. I, I think this is, he's, he's had some bumps and bruises this season um, at learning to be a number one receiver. But I think that by the end of the season, he'll be exactly where he needs to be. And he'll just be all the better for it being forged in the fire that he's seen. So he's he's well, he's an incredible playmaker. Let's not forget one of the key. Of course, it's this way. It's that way with the Colts. It's that way in Kansas City. It's that way in Seattle. It's that way in New England. But by far, when you go into Heinz Field, the fans play a big major role with all their waving of the towels, their the that stupid song they play. Uh, <laughs> the fans. That'd be, that'd be Renegade gonna, that you're speaking about. Yeah, that song, that, yeah that song. That song. I couldn't, I, I couldn't remember what it was. I was going to actually play that, but I, mm-hmm. I couldn't remember what it was. But either which way, they have a way of keeping their fans loud and proud. And one of the things that the Colts defense has to do is to quiet that crowd. How, how big of a role – when you, you've been to Heinz Field, I've never been there. Uh, but when you go in there, how big of a, how big of a part – do you think that the fans are playing the game? It's very, very huge. It's, it's, a, it's a hard stadium to win in. And then you have the, the weather elements as well. Uh, the Steelers are blue-collar, hardcore, uh, to the bone uh, fans, and they will stick it out, and they will stick by their team, and they will be loud and proud. The Colts have to shut down that crowd quickly in order to see somewhat of a successful day tomorrow. It's a fun stadium. Um, my my gift from my wife after our after we got married was to fly from Nashville, Tennessee to Pittsburgh the following day to go to a one o'clock game. So it was a long it was a long it was a long twelve hours. Um, but uh, but going to that game, they played the Titans, and man, like they have one of the best fan experiences getting up to the game. And that wasn't just me being a a homer. I've been to, I've been to like five or six NFL stadiums at this point. And that is the best fan experience that I've ever had. The just, just going in, everybody is super excited about the game. Everybody is, is when, when touchdowns happen, they go crazy. The, 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 um, the music operators really can get people going a lot more, but then, but I'm, I'm not kidding. When Renegade hits, it's like a whole different level. Um, the team just like everybody, everybody just starts going bonkers for this like 1972 stick song that has been a, has been a staple of the team since 2001. And when that comes on, the entire crowd just goes absolutely bonkers. And a lot of times it happens during a key, a uh, key defensive stand and i think they've done all types of stats that have gone up but very rarely does a team do well on that drive to the point where there have been multiple sacks multiple interceptions multiple big plays the defense has played just because it's like that energy gets back into the team uh and when it's the fourth down when you're tired or fourth fourth quarter you're tired your team's tired 
that little bit of spark sometimes is all you need to really kind of finish the game. And it's, the Steelers fans have a really, really good way of putting that spark back into the team. It, what's it, it's called – it's Renegade by Sticks, right? That's correct. All right, we'll get that up on our social media. Melissa handles our social media. Melissa, when you get a chance, throw that up there on our social media. I tried to find it. I just couldn't remember the name of the song. Yeah, you're right. It's mm-hmm. a great pumping pump-up song. Kyle Courtney's joined us today to talk with us about the Steelers and the Colts. Um, Kyle, let's wrap it up, put a bow on it. Uh, uh, give us the X's and the O's, the dark horses, if you will. Uh, it, I mean, certainly uh, you've got the, the home field advantage. Certainly you're the favorite. But let's not fall asleep on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and you know how much I follow the Colts. I know you live here in town as well. Even though you're a Steelers fan, you live here in town. So you know the Colts are doing some good things. So uh, you, mm-hmm. the Steelers still have to be prepared for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, what are some of your final thoughts and words of wisdom about tomorrow's game, the Colts and the Steelers? Absolutely. Uh, if, this, if the Colts want to win this game, they really have to rely on a short passing game. Uh, the Steelers – have historically and are continuing to do so are running a nice zone, a, a zone system. So they're going to have to move the ball. They're going to have to move it in, in, you know, six, eight, 10 yard chunks to get down the field. And then once they get in the red zone, they're going to have to be efficient. Um, that's something that the Colts have done pretty well. Uh, the thing, and, and they've had to balance running the ball. They've had the ability to actually run the ball, which is something that Colts fans haven't been able to say for a really long time, but Marlon Mack's a legit, a legit and dangerous back, but Steelers have, have a really, really, really good uh, defensive front seven that has shut down pretty much every team's running game. Um, so if they can figure out a way to run the ball against them and have a balanced offense and do a short passing game, then they'll have a, a good day on offense. Uh, on defense, the Colts have to get have to rattle Mason and ratchet up Juju. Um, I think if they can shut down the running game and really put Mason on, uh, on blast, they'll be able to, to kind of feed off of him in the backfield. And so that if, if I'm the Colts, I'm really making sure that my man defense is sound and that I can and I can uh, handle uh, handle every all the receivers and all the different stunts and, and changes that the Steelers are going to throw at them. Um, uh, in looking at it, though, you know, and this is a little bit of the Homer in me, because if, if T.Y. Hilton was playing, I would probably be a little bit more bullish on the Colts. But as it stands, I, I think this is a I think it's a 28-24 game. Um, I think that that the Steelers it pull out like end up with like a 14-point lead at some point, and then the the Colts have to have to kind of fight their way back into the game. But I, I'm calling it 28-24 uh, Steelers at home. One thing for sure is we're going to have to get an early lead and just keep that momentum going. Kyle Courtney yep. has joined us today. Uh, super uh, Steelers fan, Kyle. I know you got that baby face, but for the month of November, you need to throw those razors away, man, for a good cause. What are, you, what are your thoughts? You going to join us? I, I, I'm thinking about it. Uh, I literally just shaved yesterday, so I feel like if uh, that I'm, I may join you on that. Um, that's hey, something that it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, it's definitely a cause that I absolutely support. So you're 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 getting to that point where you have to shave every day now, man. You're growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, here's the, here, here's another thing, man. When you get a chance, go to your Facebook. I direct message you your a a a make on your favorite song, "Devil Went Down to Georgia." You got to go check that out. 
Oh man, thank you. I appreciate it. It's uh, um, you, you have a good day, Tom. It's great. I don't. Great I have it here to play. I can't play it, but it's it's on your Facebook. But it says the devil went down to Jamaica. You'll have to go check it out. <laughs> I see why you can't play it now. Seeing the seeing the title of it. Oh man. Fantastic. All right, buddy. Um, All right, we'll talk with you good, soon. Good to hear from you. All, All right, right uh, have a good, you know good game, good game tomorrow, good game. We'll be good we'll game. be texting probably a lot. Yeah, yes, right, sir, we will. Or we won't be. All, All right, right, we'll bye. see you. Bye bye. Kyle Courtney, good friend of mine and a super Steelers fan, helping us break down the big game tomorrow between the Colts and the Steelers at Heinz Field. My name's Tom Mark with El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Uh, and remember, guys, don't shave. Do not shave. It is no shave November. We'll be right back. Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest joins us. We're going to be breaking down some big news from the IndyCar segment, and we're also going to get into some NASCAR playoffs are here. Uh, we're going to see what's happening in the NASCAR action coming up next right here on the Balance Radio Network. trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, 
The ones grown by Dad. The ones grown for Dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. My name is Tom Marquis El Presidente. Thank you to Kyle Cartney, Super Steelers fan, uh, breaking down the big game tomorrow. Colts rolled into Hinesfield down in Pittsburgh. Two teams trying to find themselves in a very disruptive uh, defense. Uh, with the with the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very disruptive offense has been happening. Of course, we're without T.Y. Hilton uh, here, but uh, we'll see what happens. But joining us now, Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest Editor-in-Chief, also super fan of them Nationals. Congrats, brother. I know. It's good. I'm glad they uh, – I mean, they eat that thing out. Um, what is it, like the first time in World Series history that only the that the road team won? First time in World Series history that the road team has won every has won all seven games. Man, this was an action-packed World Series. I, I was rooting for the Nationals. I'm a National League guy. I'm a Cardinal guy, and certainly don't like the American League. So, I mean, it, I tell you what, the home runs just were able to make it happen. It had everything. It had boobies. It had Kirsten. It had controversial calls. It had uh, – uh, Never Trumpers in D.C. I mean, you you just couldn't have wrote a better script for this World Series. Yeah, it was interesting. Don't forget the Bud Light guy that they flew down to Houston and made that into a commercial. That's right. I forgot about that. Did, did you see the boobies? I got to say boobies. Come on. I mean, I can't even believe – I mean, first of all, MLB I- – I, I, I maybe maybe they should have been. I know there's kids there and it's a family event, blah blah blah. But the the two girls got banned from all MLB uh, uh, events for life. Now how are they going to enforce that? For first of all, oh uh, we know who you are. You're the girls with the boobies. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about that, but I didn't see it. But I that was um I don't know um. I'm always kind of leery as to, you know, this whole I'm going to ban you from the, every MLB stadium or every NFL stadium for life because, you know, in honesty, you know, yeah, what's your chances of being caught? Yeah, and here's the here's the thing. You and I have been to numerous racetracks, and let's just say that boobies are affluent in racetracks. Just saying, may or may not be possible, but go down, go down to Turn Three Snake Pit area at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I'm sure every track has a spot, you know. So as 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 uh, uh, Clay Travis says, First Amendment and boobs. 
I mean, here's here's the other thing. I, I feel like, you know, they charge us for everything else in the world for streaming. I'm getting off in the weeds here. We'll get back on track here in a moment, no pun intended. But uh, here's the thing. They charge us for everything, a stream for this, a stream for that, a stream for that. MLB, NFL, all of them have cameras at every every freaking angle. They need, and, and NASCAR does a great job of charging you for a stream for the in-car views and this this camera view, this camera view. So there should be a, hey, I'm not going to get offended stream if I hear a cuss word or if I see some boobies or whatever. Uh, it's just totally uncensored, but you're paying for that. I get why they had to, to say something about it, but I don't know. I just think they took it just a little bit too far. I mean, yeah. What? what <laughs> yeah. What guys I, I, I did and too. girls, for that matter, I, probably I, like boobies. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. It, I, yeah. I, I kind of agree that you know, yeah. Just the whole banning forever thing is just you know ridiculous. I mean, what is it? Uh, what was the guy not too long ago? Um, what was it, Cleveland Browns or something? He wasn't even at the game, and they banned him for life for something that he he wasn't even there for, and he hadn't even been to a game in what like six or seven years. I mean, you know, so I I, I just think honestly, you know, this whole banning for life thing is, uh, I mean, I, 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 I really in honesty, it wasn't egregious enough, and I get there's FEC censors and all these other things that come along with it, and there's kids around, and you know all the other things, but I mean. Yeah, you're right. You you go to Snake Pit or you, you, there's places at Bristol or Darlington and definitely <laughs> on the Boulevard in Talladega and you know you go to all these other sporting events and I mean it's you know I mean go go to Mardi Gras for for yeah, 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 say, go to I Mardi Gras. Mean, you know, try not to be offended there. I I remember. Uh, and they, they still allow you to do it. It's just not as prevalent as it used to be, but down on, on 16th in Georgetown, uh, and it's still very prevalent in the co-clot, uh, you get beads and whatever for showing your boobies, and guys will hold up your signs like, get your beads here. I mean, it was it's a very common place. And, and here's the other thing. This this it was a staged event now that we have it's all came out in, in the wash, if you will. Those are two Instagram models, and they promoted this on Instagram. They said, we're going to be in on, on, the, on the home plate seats. Uh, who knows who provided them with the, with the tickets? I'm quite sure they didn't pay for them themselves, just saying. Um, but they're Instagram models, and they, and they uh, advertised it. We're going to be here, and just be watching for us because as soon as we get uh, the first chance to get on camera, we're going to show it to you. And so they were driving. So the MLB should be glad because they have like thousands of followers. They were actually driving their their followers to the MLB game to see this flash. So, you know, as much as we want to talk about boobies all day long, I mean, we'll get we'll get we'll get back on track. Some big news here, Steve. Hey, Steve, have you shaved this week though? First of all. Um, not this week, no. But I will at some point. Well, don't shave throughout the entire month of November. It's it's no shave November. It's for a good cause, man. Join join us in, in the cause there. So some breaking news: funny season with the IndyCar. Uh, James Hinchcliffe, good friend of the show. I've known him for a long time since he was in the Indy Light series. Been on this show. I've talked to him every time I'm at the track. I see him. I talk to him. We know each other on a first name basis. James Hitchcliffe, one of the most popular drivers 
uh, around in IndyCar is now finding himself with outright, also with Wickens, with this deal with McLaren. Uh, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, WSBT up at South Bend, um, he was not able to join us today, but he did send us uh, this uh, uh, sound bite. So we'll play that. We'll talk about James Hitchcliffe on the other side. Well, Tom, need we say more? Obviously, the big news with James Hinchcliffe now out of a ride for 2020. McLaren, and I'd say McLaren more than Schmidt-Peterson, because obviously I think this is more a Zach Brown move than, say, a Sam Schmidt decision. Electing to go with the two young guns. Uh, Pono Award, the ex-Red Bull junior team member, despite failing to qualify for this year's Indy 500 with Carlin, gets one of the seats. And obviously with the advancement money, the dominant winner of the Cooper Tires Indy Lights Championship, Oliver Askew, gets the second seat. As for James Hinchcliffe, well, a lot of question marks as to what is available now for the Canadian. Obviously, his Honda ties and Honda Canada certainly will probably limit him to a Honda deal somewhere. Uh, obviously, the Chevrolet rides out there, not exactly great, but probably not feasible at this point. Again, the question is money. Uh, we've heard from $6 million to $8 million is the amount necessary to add an extra full-time car to, say, a Ray Hall team. Of course, they have a Honda back driver in Japan's Takuma Sato on the roster already, so you know the incentive there to keep Honda in a positive state and possibly keeping at the same level of support as, say, a Chip Ganassi Racing, that uh, maybe there is a deal there. Also, there could be something going on with Dale Coyne. question is, though, can Coyne run three cars? I don't see a scenario where Dale Coyne would not re-sign Santino Ferrucci to a 2020 season with the big budget that he brings in uh, with Clydell Manufacturing as one of his personal sponsors. So at this point, the question in my mind is, what's next for Hinch? Well, if the full-time running is not feasible for IndyCar's two-time most popular driver, well then, there is possibilities of IMSA. Of course, his ties possibly could get him a deal maybe with uh, the Acura teams in GT Daytona, possibly for Daytona Sebring and Petit Le Mans, perhaps. And then, of course, the rumor about Honda possibly joining NASCAR in the near future also could be in play. So maybe he could be a future driver or a head of focus on that. And uh, certainly his expertise and knowledge uh, is unmatched in terms of his knowledge of the sport. Of course, he was the color commentator on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Network broadcast of the Indianapolis 500 in 2010, one year before he was a rookie in the event as a driver himself. So maybe he pops up on NBCSN from time to time. But obviously, just like you, Tom, I want to see this guy in a race car. And uh, if you're talking full-time at this point, it is all about possibly a third seat at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan or a third seat at Dale Coyne. I think that's the best scenarios for a full-time ride. Otherwise, we could be talking an Indy-only effort for one of the most popular drivers in IndyCar history. Reporting for The Balance, I'm Matt Embry, IndyCar expert. Well, there you have it, uh, Steve Wilson, uh, Speedway Digest. Uh, and I know that uh, we cover IndyCar for you and uh, certainly Indy 500 for you guys. This is big news for IndyCar and IndyCar fans. As Matt pointed out, one of the most popular drivers. I know it comes down to money, but, uh, I mean, uh, 
I, I tell you what, if you want an ambassador of the sport, James Hinn's close with it. Is that, and now, you know, with Wickens, the story that's behind there, my guess is they'll find a, a ride somewhere, uh, as Peterson uh, Errol said, that they would continue to pay out their contract until they negotiate another contract with another team. Uh, but we don't know where that's going to be. And he opened up a, another point of conversation about the relationship with Honda. Obviously, that, that that's going to – Andretti doesn't have room. Uh, Penske doesn't have room. Del Coyne, I, I thought about Ed Carpenter, but uh, an angle that he, he brought up there, Steve, was – you know, Honda's been talking about going over to NASCAR. Maybe this is a good opportunity. What are your thoughts on James Hinchcliffe uh, suddenly finding himself without a ride? I think this is indicative of what we see in NASCAR a lot of times, that talent just isn't enough to carry you in a seat anymore, that just so many drivers are coming with backing, and they have family ties, they have corporate ties, um, they have personal money themselves, whatever the case may be. And <clears throat> these teams are a business at the end of the day. Yes, they go out and compete and try to make money by winning the purse, but, you know, in all honesty, we know that the purse doesn't pay the bills. Uh, all the way you're paying the bills is by slapping somebody's name on the side of that car, some company, some name, some sponsor, some partner, whatever the case may be. And when you have a driver that can come in and, you know, they have a either a majority funded ride or even a partially funded ride or a fully funded ride, um, you know, those, those drivers seem more and more to be taking precedence and, you know, talent is becoming less and less of the equation a, a lot of times. And, you know, these teams struggle to survive. So, you know, they're doing sometimes what they have to, to continue going and not closing their doors. Um, the Honda thing is interesting because it continues to crop up in NASCAR. It's continued to crop up for some time. There was years ago, um, probably 15 years ago, that uh, you know there was uh, rumors of Honda looking at coming into the truck series when they started building the Ridge Line. Um, that kind of went nowhere. Uh, we've heard over the years, time and time again, after Dodge left out of the sport, that maybe they would come back, but they seem uninterested at this time to make the financial contributions needed to come. But then Honda continues yet again to crop back up again. You know, Honda as a company, uh, they already had a racing platform in America as it is. They already have the manufacturing abilities here in America. They already have, uh, they're one of the most profitable U.S. companies in the auto manufacturing business there, there currently is right now. Um, and even just back at the Indy 500, there was, uh, um, you know, several NASCAR officials were around the Indy 500 and supposedly meeting with Honda. And this week we learned yet again the rumor is uh, still out there where if Honda can find a feasible way into the sport, uh, they may consider it. And for them, a uh, new manufacturer, NASCAR wants them and would like to have another manufacturer into the sport. Honda seems the most likely because, again, they, uh, they have the cash funds available. Um, they will probably put a considerable amount of money into the sport like Toyota does currently. Um, and, 
you know, could they do it? Um, I think they can, and I think maybe if the time works out right and the things we're hearing about the new 2021 car, which is going to be on a common uh, spec-built chassis, just like uh, the Dollar chassis are built by Dollar in IndyCar, um, that it may be a possibility that this gives entry to Honda because, the manufacturing side of it is taken out of their hands. Maybe it lessens their uh, expense into the sport, but um, we'll have to see what Honda really goes with, and I think it'll be interesting. Personally, I, would, I wouldn't mind having Honda in the sport. I know a lot of people are very hardcore, needs to be an American company, yada, yada, but you know what a lot of people don't realize is, is that Honda and Toyota build more cars here in the United States than than Ford or Chevrolet. So, you know, there's, you know, always that aspect of it. We're talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com, our official NASCAR contributor. Let's move on over to Texas. NASCAR's rolling out to Texas, one of the fastest tracks on the circuit. I like Texas. A lot of action always at Texas and and. Do they still give out the six shooters, or do, was there too many anti-gun people? They did they stop that? I, I knew there was a protest about that for a while, but I didn't know they stopped well, giving those. No, well, they can have two or three people standing outside of Texas Motor Speedway, stomping up and down. But yeah, they they still give them out. Man, I tell you what, what an awesome trophy. Let's talk a little bit about uh, just bring us up to speed of what's going on in the truck series, and we'll get in the Xfinity series, and we'll get into the uh, big race tomorrow out in Texas with the Monster Energy Series. Um, truck series is just uh, it's interesting. Last week, they had a first-time winner at Martinsville with uh, Todd Gillen for Cobbush Motorsports. Uh, he's been struggling all season long, and uh, there were some frustrations that boiled over on the radio of uh of uh Todd Gillen telling uh you know his crew to tell Kyle Bush to stay in the effing motorhome um at the end of the race and uh that caused a bit of controversy there because I think most people realize that uh Todd's days at Kyle Bush Motorsports are over with uh at the end of this season. And, uh, you know, there have been comments made by Kyle Busch uh, prior in the forthcoming weeks to his win as to the performance of him and that team. And the frustrations kind of bowled over into the fact that he won and um, he's out at the end of the year and where he goes next. Um, well, there's some uh, maybe some interest in his uh, dad's team and uh We'll see where he goes from there, but uh, yeah, some a little bit of controversy at Martinsville uh, with his win for the first time in the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Go over to Xfinity Series, uh, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, and Justin Allgaier all above the line in the playoff series. Uh, Tyler Reddick was fast yesterday. Uh, I look to him to be fast again today and qualify of for uh, qualifying in tonight's race there. Uh, a little bit of a late race tonight at 8.30 Eastern time for them, but uh, don't count out uh, Christopher Bell. Christopher Bell has uh, gone to victory lane at Texas Motor Speedway before, so uh, this this battle is intensifying, and uh, we already uh, can pretty much peg that those two guys will be in Homestead in two weeks fighting it out for the championship. 
I think that right now those are the two strongest teams in the Xfinity Series. We may have a little wild card out there by somebody else, but uh, right now I think those are the teams to beat, and those are going to be the two drivers that are going to go to Homestead in just a couple of weeks. And defend, uh, Tyler Reddick will defend that championship. Uh, Christopher Bell looking for the championship. And uh, uh, I, I think we'll just continue to talk about them not only this week. We'll talk about them next week in ISM. And, you know, we can pretty much set those two guys as a field. And somebody's going to have to come up and to the plate and really swing for the fences if they're going to going to challenge them in the next couple of weeks or even at Homestead. Well, moving on over to the Monster Energy Series going into Texas. you got Martin Truex Jr., Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch and Joey Logano all above the line. Uh, three out of those four have a, a recent year championship. Denny Hamlin has not got one yet. I'm rooting for uh, old number 11 in the FedEx car. Uh, what are your thoughts about Denny Hamlin? What are your thoughts about the top four uh, going into Texas and getting ready for Homestead in just a couple of weeks? Well, I think it's interesting that three out of the four, one of them is already locked in with Martin Trucks by virtue of his win at Martinsville last week. Um, three out of four are all Joe Gibbs racing uh, cars uh, with Kyle Busch, uh, Martin Trucks Jr., and uh, Denny Hamlin, uh, with Joey Logano being the only um, Ford or even other manufacturer in the top four. Um you know, we go back into the early um, stages of this chase um, back, uh, back about 2005 or so when uh, uh, Roush Fenway Racing had five cars in the top ten. And NASCAR took a look at that and said, well, you have way too many cars. You're taking up way too many spots. Um, you, you Performance-wise, you're good at what you're doing, but we need to spread this out a little bit more. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think my interest is peaked that if this maintains in three out of the four final drivers at Homestead are uh, Joe Gibbs racing drivers, if NASCAR starts looking and says, well, if we're taking up 75% majority of, of it with one team, with one manufacturer, then uh, maybe we need to make some changes or make some tweaks and We'll see what happens with that, like they did in 2005-2006 years. Um, I think that that fourth spot right now with uh, uh, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, uh, I think those are the drivers right now that we need to watch. Uh, Harvick, if he has a chance, I think his chance is next week at ISM Raceway. He's won there and had to been in a no in a must-win situation, and he's done it before at ISM. He's good at ISM. Uh, I think Bogano's chances are, are kind of uh, he either needs to maintain or he needs again another driver that needs to swing for the fence and get a whole bunch of points to keep himself in there. Um, you know, and then Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch just kind of. They just kind of need to do their thing this week and get through this week. Hopefully they don't have any issues like uh, Chase Elliott did at, at Martinsville last week with not only an engine problem but an axle issue in the car that's really just put him in a must-win situation. He really has no choice at this point. Uh, but those two guys, I think uh, they, they've really just got to get through this week, collect some points, and they should be good. Been talking with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, Steve, uh, final thoughts, uh, words of wisdom, if you will, before we got to wrap it up, put a bow on it. Um, talk with us a little, uh, about Texas or any final thoughts that you got for us. 
Well, the season's almost over with, so uh, I guess everybody <laughs> gets a little break coming up. You ready for you're ready for the off season. Well, congratulations to you and your Nationals uh, for winning the world their very first World Series. Uh, Steve, we'll stay in touch with you and have yourself a good race weekend, sir. All right, thank you. Take care. Talk to you next week. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us in talking. You know, uh, we, big breaking news this week in the funny season of IndyCar. James Hinchcliffe finds his way uh, without uh, without a ride. So thanks for Matthew for uh, Matthew Embry for supplying a, a soundbite for us about that. And then also Steve Wilson talking some NASCAR with us uh, right around the corner there on the other side. Rick Riggin. Official college football contributor. We're going to be talking to Notre Dame. IU as well eligible. And we're going to get into college football Saturday. Also, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast joins us all right around the corner, right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If I can continue to talk, hopefully my voice uh, sticks sticks around uh, for another hour. Or so, uh, And remember, guys, we're doing our No Shave in November, so let's uh, – Let's uh, make it happen. And I don't know what, what? Double the fun at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about it. 
Here's to the straggly ones. The first ones. Hey, I look good with this ones. The black, brown, red, and gray ones. The itchy ones. The ones grown by dad. The ones grown for dad. The I nearly didn't do it this year ones. And the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. Welcome back to the Bells. One hour in the can. Uh, thank you very much to Kyle Courtney, Super Steeler fan, uh, joining us on breaking us down that big game between the Colts and the Steelers. Very disruptive defense uh, for the Colts, and the Colts are very disruptive offense. So we'll see uh, what what happens with Jacoby Brissett and uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer down there in Pittsburgh. Also, uh, Matthew Embry. Uh, uh, send us a sound by breaking news. Uh, certainly, big uh, uh, news with James Hinchcliffe not being having a ride as well as Wickens with this deal with McLaren. Uh, so we got some information about that. We certainly think that Hintz will find a ride here soon. And then also Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, joined us to talk about NASCAR in Texas. Joining us now. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, and Tony Donahue uh, from the Tony D Podcast. Uh, how are you doing, Rick? You with us? I'm with you, man. Good morning, guys. Ready to rock and roll. Tony Donahue, uh, welcome back to The Balance. Uh, how are you doing, sir? Good, man. How are you guys doing? Good. Did you guys go trick-or-treating? Come on now. Rick, I know you got no. kids, but they're all, they're, all, they're all big kids. Tony, you don't have kids. I don't have kids, but... Man, it's good to eat the candy, though, anyway. Hey, Tony, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick because this is kind of breaking over the last couple days. You heard me talk about it uh, coming out of the break. James Hinchcliffe and Wickens find some way without a ride. Uh, I know that uh, Schmidt Motorsports and Arrow are are paying out their contract until they're able to negotiate something else with somebody else. Uh, But with this deal with McLaren, I mean, it's all about money. That's what it all comes down to. But class act, uh, friend of the show, love James. I know you and I both know him and have had a chance to talk with him uh, multiple times down there at the track. What are your thoughts about this uh, story, uh, breaking uh, breaking news for a funny story with a funny season with James Hinchcliffe uh, not having a ride? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's money and you've got a chance to put two up-and-coming um, young drivers that work their way up through the ladder system uh, that have money. And the thing with James Hinchcliffe is like, look, the results just and, you know, the way to secure a ride is to make sure that, you know, you have a, a job just to win races. And, and he simply has underachieved at Arrow or at and with with uh, Sam Schmidt, but he's a great driver and he, the, the sport meets him. So, um, I think you'll I think you'll still see him in a car next year in some capacity, probably three four races with some kind of Honda backing. Um, but I do expect him to at least be uh, attempting to qualify for the Indianapolis 500 next year. 
Yeah, and we talk, uh, Matthew talked a little bit about uh, Graham Rahal, uh, Dale Coyne. I talked about that. I also thought maybe Ed Carpenter, but he also opened up the door that possibly uh, Honda been wanting to get into NASCAR. This might be a good opportunity for that. But I wanted to get your thoughts on this on this college football segment, but uh, I know that uh, you, you uh, cover racing uh, as well. Rick Riggin, first of all, Homer card with me. IU Bowl eligible. It's not, no, it's not the Rose Bowl, but hey. It might be the Tulip Bowl. It might be the Chick-fil-A Bowl. I don't know, but it's a bowl game. Uh, First of all, what are your thoughts on that, Rick? I love it, actually. And I actually, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. I got to just troll them a little bit, talking about how IU IU is actually bowl eligible before Notre Dame is this year. So, kind of funny. I know IU's played an extra game, but it's also the truth, man. So, I'm happy for IU, and I hope they keep the winning winning going. Well, I I do, too. Tony... Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, we don't need no stinking Badgers. They are just falling, falling, falling. What are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at a team that they had that tough loss, which, you know, is always tough to play. But, you know, they're going to get a week off, and we'll see what they can do next week. Uh, you know, they're still 18th. They're going to get a big matchup next week with Iowa, um, which, you know, that bye week probably came at the right time for for Wisconsin, um, six and two on the year, you know, they don't, they don't win. They don't win pretty. It's always ugly. And after getting smoked last week, Ohio state and then that loss to Illinois, that they hit the bye week perfectly. Uh, they're going to have a chance to, uh, to win some games with Nebraska and Purdue coming up on the schedule, but tough ones coming up with Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, that's going to make or break the Badger season. Rick, I want to stir my, my favorite pot that, that I love to go ahead, Rick. Did you have something to say on that? Nope. Oh, I thought you were getting ready to say something. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, my ears are playing tricks on me. Uh, I'm, I on, yeah, start... I, I'm on my cell phone today and not my headset because I'm, uh, I'm actually out of town. Oh, I got you. Okay, so I'm going to open up the stir the pot that I always do with the strength of schedule. Uh, the, the, top, the top five teams are 8-0. and oh. Two of those teams are Big Ten teams. Then you have a Big Ten team that's 8-0 and that's all the way down to 13, and that's Minnesota. So your top teams, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, all 8-0. and Two of those are Big Ten teams, which strength of schedule is very similar, but yet Minnesota is ranked 13. What say you? Yeah, but it comes down to who, uh, who's Minnesota's win so far in the Big Ten because Big Ten's really, I don't think, that strong this year because – now we're seeing things like Wisconsin fall off. Maryland earlier in the year uh, looked like they just couldn't be stopped, and now they're falling off. Uh, it's really come down, it comes down to Penn State and Ohio State. I know Michigan last week, they, they killed us. You know, I, I get that, but uh, I don't see Michigan as a strong contender now. So it's really just two teams when you look at a team like the SEC, and it's, it's really like four or five teams that are really strong. So uh, I'm all for P.J. Fleck in Minnesota. Uh, I think they will keep the winning going, and they'll actually get into the top ten. They'd be crazy to have three top ten teams. Uh, but it's just who who have they beaten so far. Tony, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, Just, and it seems like this is the only sport that we ever have a conversation about strength of schedule. Because in the NFL, it, let's just use the Colts as an example. If the Colts have the better record and they win the division – and they win the playoffs. They go to the. They go to. That's just how it works. They go to the Super Bowl. It has nothing to do with who they play or who they didn't play. If they they're number one in the AFC South, for example, and that's just simply because of wins and losses. 
Why do we have to make this so complicated? I know I, I beat this horse to death all all the time, but we see uh, we see three of the, the uh, three of the top ten. I mean, two of the two of the top four. I'm sorry, are Big Ten teams, but then you have an eight and zero team of Minnesota, which I look at Big Ten strength of schedule very similar, except for maybe Ohio State because they do play some uh, stronger teams, but. Still, I would think that if we're just going by, we should always go by wins and losses. At, at, at best, Minnesota should be ranked six right now. That's just my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Tony? Uh, I think that they're, I think that they're kind of overranked right now at thirteenth. Yeah, they're undefeated, but um, they haven't had an impressive win all year. They squeaked by a Georgia Southern team. They squeaked by Fresno. They squeaked by South Dakota State earlier in the year. They squeaked by Purdue. Um, they're gonna. Their schedule's really going to pick up. They're going to get number five, Penn State, and they're going to get number 19, Iowa. They're going to get number 18, Wisconsin. And I agree with Rick. You look at the Big Ten, and there's six teams ranked in the top 25, but outside of Ohio State and Penn State, everybody else is in that second to third tier. And the problem with the Big Ten right now is just the bottom is so bad. Uh, IU, middle-of-the-road team, I would say, bowl eligible, great. Michigan State, not very impressive. Maryland, Rutgers, not very good. Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska. This, no, I'm sorry. Purdue, Illinois, Nebraska, Northwestern, just okay to crappy teams. So um, I just don't think Minnesota's played the schedule that everybody else has. They haven't had any impressive wins. So I think right now they're a little overranked, and uh, I think that's going to go down because they're going to get through the last four games against ranked opponents. Tony, I'm going to get one more thing out of you because I know we only got you for a couple more minutes. I appreciate you jumping on with us this morning uh, and giving your, your your thoughts on things, but. Uh, Georgia just seems to be another one of those teams that we we walked in the season. They were ranked number three, and they've just been falling down, falling down. Georgia has a problem uh, this this year. Um, you know, it's going to be a tough game. You know, in Jacksonville against number six Florida, it's going to be, I think, a defensive struggle. Who can establish the run game? Um, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame and a Florida fan, so I'm going to be watching closely to the, both of those games. Georgia, I think, um, is on the outside looking into the playoffs because you've got, obviously, Alabama, LSU, and Florida in front of you. But Georgia does have the opportunity today to knock off Florida, then they'll get Auburn, and possibly position themselves to get into the championship game, depending on what happens with, you know, with, with what happens today. If Georgia wins today, they'll be in the SEC championship game. Then you kind of control your own destiny because you'll get a chance to play Alabama, you get a chance to play LSU. Now they're going to play Auburn, and that'd be huge. But again, when you look at the standings in the East of the SEC, it's going to come down to today's game. Whoever wins today's game is going to go to the SEC Championship and have a chance to play Alabama or LSU. So, Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast, taking a few minutes to jump on board with us. Thank you for giving us your thoughts on James Hinchcliffe. We'll be following that story. Very important question. I got to I got to know before we, before I let you go, Tony. I need to know. We need to have more boobies in the World Series. Going forward, more boobies in the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> um, not even that could, could distract Garrett Cole, but it was cool to see the Nationals win. Um, it was. Probably the best World Series I can remember watching. Um, but, yeah, uh, we will never say uh, no, no to that, right? Yeah, that's right. All right, Tony, thank you so much for joining on. I, I appreciate you. I told you I'd keep you to 15 minutes. I'm a man of my work. Well, sometimes. Hey, have a good one, Tony. Appreciate it. Good to see you guys. Follow him on Twitter, man. He's a good follow. Oh, yes, absolutely. Tony Donahue of the Tony T Podcast joins us jumping on for 15 minutes or so. Rick, 
Reagan, our college football contributor, joins us. Rick, did you see that game five? Uh, I think it was the sixth inning. Boobies. Well, I wasn't watching the game, <laughs> or I wasn't watching the game at that time, but I did just see every clip of it on, you know, all over Twitter and everything. It's great. Uh, baseball needs more of that. That'd be good. Because it happens well, in hockey, too, all the time, and you, and you don't hear of hockey being, like, all up in arms about it. So uh, I think baseball could take a page, at, you know, out of hockey's book there and just, uh, <laughs> I mean, what can you do? <laughs> I mean, sports are sports. Sports are mostly men. Men like beer and boobies. I mean, it's a it's a given. But and, and here's I was talking to Steve in in the last segment. We we go to all kinds of racetracks, and trust me, we've been in Indianapolis Motor Speedway. You've seen some boobies. I mean, you, you watch a movie, you're gonna see some boobies. I mean, and I you know they charge. I brought this up as well, Rick. They charge us for everything. A stream for this, a stream for that. You can buy an extra stream in, in NASCAR or IndyCar to watch the in-car camera views. You can buy uh, the MLB packages to get – they should have a stream that says the uncensored sports cast so we get to hear the cuss words because those are people that aren't offended by hearing cuss words. For people that aren't offended by seeing boobies, for people who aren't offended by seeing drunk people falling on their asses, I mean, you know, all the stuff that we see while we're there. But and the, and here's the, here's the other thing: they banned these these women uh, from uh, any MLB activity for life. One, I don't know how they're going to enforce that because it's not like anybody saw their face. No, <laughs> but but here's the other thing. Well, I, it, here's it, here's what I'll say about it. So the, the two that did it aren't they weren't just two random women. These uh, these two are. The, uh, if you dig into it, they're actually models. Uh, yeah, I know. That's what I at, at hockey games, so people know who yeah. they are. I mean, I, I don't know how they would enforce it because if they just walk into a, a game somewhere, the security guard or, or you know the gate guard or whatever you want to call it isn't going to recognize them. So I don't really know how how they would enforce it. <laughs> Facial recognition, but here's the thing: you no, know, that's exactly right. They're Instagram models, and they 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 right, advertise. Yeah. MLB should be thanking them because they advertise. We're going to be at this game. We're going to be sitting here right behind. Uh, home plate. We know they didn't buy the tickets. That's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time. Uh, but we know that somebody got the tickets for them, uh, and they 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 promoted that we're going to do this. And and so watch game five. We're not sure exactly when we're going to be able to do it, but we're gonna we're gonna show you. Uh, you know, I don't remember exactly what it said, but they they have thousands of followers on Instagram, and. Maybe I should follow up. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, but you're right. They go to a lot of different sporting events, and these, these, these girls have done this before. Uh, so it is kind of a, an overreaction. I just say beer, wings, sports, boobies. I mean, that's, that's like, that's like <laughs> popcorn and butter and salt. It all needs to go together, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's get back on track. Five and oh, five and oh. Uh, I believe – am I right on that with Notre Dame and Virginia Tech? I could have been wrong That's on the schedule correct. there. But, yeah. So, 5-0 no, and 5-0, right. Virginia Tech. Obviously, Notre Dame, a much better team than the Virginia Tech Hokies. But – but Virginia Tech is sneaky, sneaky good. Yeah, and then what's the mindset of Notre Dame, really? You know they want to come out this week and just like, hey, we don't suck so bad like we did last week. Uh they need to come out and pound Virginia Tech today 
but then Virginia Tech just pick up on something and watching the uh, Michigan tape from last week. I don't know. Uh, I don't even I don't even know if Notre Dame watched the tape themselves last week. That's the one you stole the tape away or don't even watch it at all, something like that. But you know, last year's game was at Virginia Tech. That was the inner Sandman entrance, and uh, you know we went out and shell shocked them right off the bat. That's a huge win for Notre Dame, a big blowout win actually. Uh, I kind of just look for that again today. Uh, Virginia Tech started the year off slow, but they have done some different things this year. They have gotten a little better as the season has gone on. Uh, I will say it will probably sluggish in the first half, and then Notre Dame takes control. Uh, I think the last spread that I saw was 17.5. I'm not sure if that's still the thing. Uh, I don't see Notre Dame winning by 17.5 this game. Two touchdowns maybe, but not three scores. What a year Baylor's having this year. I mean, are they as good as we're watching? I mean, they they snuck out a win against West Virginia, and I know West Virginia has had its struggles uh, this year, but Baylor just seems to be uh, hitting on all cylinders uh, this year. Yeah, you can't really say many bad things about Baylor, and Matt Rule is an excellent head coach. You know, when Notre Dame has a game like they had last week, everybody starts wants to wants to fire Brian Kelly bring in Matt Rule, they want to bring in Urban Meyer, they want to shut down the program, you know. Matt Rule is one of those guys that would be like a good fit at Notre Dame. If Brian Kelly's got two more years left on his contract, usually by this point when coaches have two years left and they're successful like Brian Kelly has been, they get extended. But Brian Kelly hasn't been extended yet. Matt Rule is one of those guys Notre Dame would talk to. I think Baylor is the real deal. I don't know this if this is going to be the year that they win the Big 12, the Big 12 is kind of one of those conferences like the Big 10 where the bottom half is just so awful. And that's kind of who they've been beating up on. When they play Texas and play Oklahoma here later in the season, uh, we'll really find out about Baylor. But I've been impressed by Baylor, and you have to give Matt Rule all the credit. You know, speaking about getting credit, we're, we're going to have to start giving credit to Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I'm not a Jim, Bar, Jim Harbaugh hater, but we just thought coming into this season that he's going to be on the hot seat. He's clearly not on the hot seat. Uh, he's, he's getting key wins. Uh, he's playing. They're playing great, great football. They got Maryland today. That's just going to be another just uh, icing on the cake for him. What, what lit the fire under Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines' ass? Because – they're playing completely different football now than what we thought they would be playing at the beginning of the season. Well, if Michigan fans think that Michigan football has turned a corner because of what happened last week, I'm here to tell you that it hasn't. Uh, they're still going to lose to Ohio State this year. They're still going to end up with three losses. At four losses, I don't know who the, the bowl game will match up with in the bowl game, but it could. they could still be a four-loss team this year. Uh they're going to end the season with the worst record than Notre Dame. So if you're Michigan and you beat the crap out of Notre Dame like you did last week, but you still end up worse, uh, you still have to point at the coaching staff. I don't think Michigan will ever get anything done with Harbaugh there. Uh, but definitely last week, that was not a, a program-changing win. They haven't turned a corner. Uh, I don't – us Irish fans are still wondering what the hell happened in that game. Uh, you could watch three quarters of that game, and it's raining buckets, and Notre Dame is in prime defense when Michigan is clearly just running the ball to the middle every single time, and we just couldn't stop it. Uh, but, no, that wasn't a program-changing win. Uh, Michigan's football program is still trash, and they're not going to do anything this year. 
All right, it's time for the X's and the O's. Let's spend the next few minutes breaking down the X's and O's of some big games or games, maybe not so big or little games, if you will, just games uh, across the, the college football top 25 scene. We'll start with your Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. Uh, we just talked about them a little bit, but Notre Dame ranked number 16. I think, I, I think Notre Dame fans would like to see them ranked a, a little bit higher. Uh, but uh, the X's and the O's, Virginia Tech at Notre Dame. Well, after that performance last week, if they fell out of top 25, I wouldn't be mad about it because that was just awful. But I think today uh, they do get back on track. I think at 17.5 points, like I said, is a little too big of a spread. I think Virginia Tech is just a little bit better than maybe what they're getting credit for. I can see Notre Dame winning by a couple of scores, but 17.5 I think is just too much. we got North Carolina State at Wake Forest. The Demons uh, have, have uh, creaked up – uh, a couple notches from from 25 to 23. Um, not a lot to talk about with with this game, but uh, there again, we've talked about this before. North Carolina State can sneak up on you. Well, yeah, and you don't know exactly what Wake Forest is because a couple weeks ago they lost uh, to Louisville. I, I don't know, it was something like 61 to 59 or whatever. You know, it's, uh, can they can they stop an offense? They, they can definitely score a lot of points. Uh, NC State can definitely do that. Uh, they they play good defense. They can slow you down because their offense can, can actually sl- uh, slow Wake Forest down. I can see NC State getting a win here. I want to see Wake Forest uh, get a big win though. At at one point this year, we were thinking Wake Forest was the second best team in the uh, mm-hmm. in the ACC behind Clemson. But you know, everybody kind of cannibalizes themselves in the ACC if you're not named Clemson. So uh, I think Wake Forest gets the win, but it wouldn't shock me if NC State won here. In-state rivalry, Kansas State uh, Wildcats, I got it right this week, and the Kansas Jayhawks. In-state rivalry, obviously uh, uh, Kansas State ranked 22. Kansas is a basketball uh, team, not a football team, but uh, what are your thoughts? Well, we saw Kansas get a big win last week on like a crazy ending. Just kind of block punt or block field goal and then – I don't know what the call or what really happened, but they got another second shot at it and hit the field goal. Uh, Kansas State's come up with a big upset win over, over Oklahoma, and I think they're going to ride that momentum and uh, take down Kansas, you know, the powerhouse of Kansas this week. Although I, I love what Les Miles is doing at Kansas this year. I do think here in a couple of years, if he stays there, uh, they're going to be a full team. I, I, I think he's got that program going in the right direction finally after – decades of darkness there at Kansas. I think they got a, you know, the right guy anyway to turn the program around. I just don't think they're going to get it done this week against Kansas State. One of the big games of the week, the Bulldogs, struggling Bulldogs go into uh, the swamp against the Gators, the Florida Gators, number eight, number six, one of the big games to watch this week. Uh, big implications for both teams. Uh, but I think uh, there again, just from what I've seen from Georgia so far this year, I think Florida uh, can not easily handle this, but certainly will uh, walk out with the W. Well, I think that uh... – Jake Fromm probably isn't going to win the game for Georgia. He's a great game manager. I don't know if anybody thinks that the game could fall on Jake Fromm and he can win. But here's what will win the game for Georgia. I'm taking Georgia in this game, actually. They have really great defense still. I know we got that ridiculous loss against South Carolina a couple weeks ago between the hedges. 
but they still play really great defense, and I think they have the top running game in the SEC still with DeAndre Swift. Uh, he averages about 110, 112 yards a game. That's the top running game in the SEC. I think on those two strengths, it's a close game, but I think Georgia actually pulls this one out. Number nine, Utah Utes against the Washington Huskies. What say you? Uh, Utah and Oregon, you know, they're the class of the Pac-12 this year. At the beginning of the year, we were thinking Utah-Oregon could a- actually make the playoffs. I don't think Utah is quite the playoff team. I I like Kyle Whittingham. He's a great head coach at Utah. I think Utah will get the win at Washington. But uh, Oregon is the only team in the Pac-12 now, the outside chance of actually making the, making the playoff here because they need some help, though. They had that one loss to Auburn, first game of the season. It knocked them down and so far in the rankings. Now they worked their way all the way back up to like eighth or something like that. I don't think Utah has the shot that Oregon has for the playoff. I think it's kind of rests on uh, Oregon's shoulders there to be a Pac-12 representative. But I do think Utah can take, take care of business this year. They're a great team this year, and I think they get the win at Washington. When was the last time we saw Clemson unranked? Woodford and Clemson today. I mean, I certainly think Clemson will get the win, but – it seems odd, it feels odd that Clemson's not even ranked. What are you talking about? They're ranked like third or fourth. All right, so I'm just looking at the thing right here. There's no number beside him. That's probably why I screwed that up. Wow. It's my fault. Go ahead. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. At, no, because, you know, normally, like, I mean, see, like on, right here, I'm looking Clemson. at – They're playing with who, Wofford? Come on, oh, I know they're going to win. If you got it. Yeah. If they're going to play see, schedule I, I, teams like that, that, they should not be a top five team. Whatsoever. This is so weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna complain to NCAA on their on their website <laughs> because no look like here they've got number 22 they got 16 uh, Notre Dame number eight Georgia number six Florida. So man, I get I get in my stride, bro. That's why I count on you, man. Yeah. You got now, my they're, uh, they're a playoff team. They're <laughs> gonna make the playoffs. They're they're in the playoffs now. I mean, they're ranked. I man, I want to say they're third or fourth. I can't. Denver, Ohio State is split flop third or fourth. But they're in the top four, so nothing's going to change. Uh, the ACC is so terrible this year that Clemson's just going to waltz their way right into the playoffs. So uh, I guess it's not Clemson's fault for being in, in a terrible conference, but at the same time, you can't just schedule teams like Walford. You know, because we do talk about strength of schedule, and that does matter. That matters more than the conference championships, actually. And there will be a point down the road when all this really comes into play, especially when they expand the playoffs to eight teams and they're going to look at strength of schedules then. And when you're playing teams, that's not even the FBS division. Uh, that start, that's going to hurt teams. That's, you know, and coaches get fired over that actually for not making the playoffs. So they need to do better scheduling. That's awful. Well, we'll see what happens. So we got just a, a couple of minutes left here. Rick Riggin, uh, college, our official college football contributor, Rick, uh, walk us through this week. What are the uh, X's and O's, the Derek courses? What are the things to look out for? Uh, what are we looking at here this week in college football, top 25? Uh, the, uh, the, it's really kind of a down weekend for college football. You do have Georgia-Florida. That is the, the main game. That's the big game. Uh, I don't think you'll see much change in the top ten. Uh, I don't think I don't see any crazy upsets up there. Of course, Georgia and Florida is going to make some kind of change because both are both in the top ten. I got Georgia in that game. That's the game to watch out for. 
And if you're an Irish fan like me, uh, we just want to see how they come out and look against Virginia Tech early. Uh, because if that Michigan, if they still have a hangover with that Michigan game, it's going to be a long like rest of the season here because uh, unlike Michigan's big win, you know, blowout win, I don't think that's a program changer or, or a corner, an internal corner with that. But Notre Dame could actually turn a quarter in the opposite direction uh, getting blown out like that. I mean, that was a whipping. I've, I've just been sitting here all week long taking that loss like a man. Yeah, I haven't been on social media talking about it. None of that. I just want to save it all for the show here. But uh, <laughs> we want to see how Notre Dame looks. So <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see how that's my X's and O's breakdown. <laughs> well, we appreciate you giving us the X's and the O's and the Y's and the Z's, sir. Have you have you seen the new Terminator movie? I have not. Neither have I. But I've heard it's good. <laughs> Did you see the Joker yet? I did see that. What'd you think? I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I've heard it was pretty right, dark, well, but the Joker is dark in general, so I guess his character's dark. But okay, well, I won't give out any spoilers here. I will say I do think it's the role that will win uh, Joaquin Phoenix at the Academy Award. I think he'll get an Oscar for it. Wow! But so I think I think I think the movie itself overall was just okay, but. His portrayal of the Joker was was pretty damn good. Well, and you know, I've heard you're uh, not the first person I've heard say that they thought that he would get an Academy Award, but it seems odd that such a dark role would get an Academy Award. But I don't follow those award shows enough to be an expert on it. But it seems like that I don't it's an awful dark. It's an awful dark uh, character, but I've heard that. Um, oh, who's the guy that played the, the other? Joker that uh, killed himself, or maybe it was an accidental overdose. But um, uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Okay. So he's yeah. the same kind of like, and there's other actors where they actually spend their lives during that, getting ready for that role, living like that. In, in, for you know, obviously not literally killing people, but just engulfing themselves into that role and becoming that person, if you will. And I, I've heard right. that people that prepare prepare for being a Joker just, I mean, it's it's pretty dark <laughs> in their lives. I've heard that, so I didn't know. So highlight is well, on, I, I on will, the. Yeah, I will say that he 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 was as good of a Joker as Heath Ledger, but this movie is kind of made for the Academy Award, and I think that he'll get the Academy Award based off that. But I thought the Heath Ledger Joker is still the is still the best Joker. Are you gonna you gonna stick around with us for some NFL talk, sir? Oh, no, I can't. I'm out of town here. I'm on my cell phone. Ah, <laughs> uh, where you at? Not too far. I'm in Jasper. Oh, no, okay. I'm in Jasper. Baseball? Sexual no. football game last night. Ah, I got you. Got you. All right, brother. Have yourself a good weekend. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch up with you, man. Yeah. yeah all right. Have a good one. All right. Rick Riggin, our official college football contributor, breaking down some college football. Tony Donahue joined us also the Tony D Podcast. We'll be right back with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, and he's also with SI.com. And Mo from the BS Sports Show. We're going to wrap things up coming up on the other side.
trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Here's to the straggly ones, the first ones, the hey, I look good with this ones, the black, brown, red, and gray ones, the itchy ones, the ones grown by dad, the ones grown for dad, the I nearly didn't do it this year ones, and the absolutely filthy ones. They all raise awareness, raise funds, start conversations, and save lives. Because whatever you grow will save a bro. Sign up now at Movember.com. here 90 minutes in the can thank you to uh kyle courtney super steelers fan helping us uh, play the homer card uh the colts roll into Hinesville down in pittsburgh a very disruptive offense and a very disruptive defense uh two quarterbacks trying to find their way two teams trying to find their way this should be a really good game we'll get into that more of that game here in in just a minute also Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest helping us break down some NASCAR action. Also, big breaking news out of IndyCar. Uh, IndyCar favorite J- James Hinchcliffe uh, without a ride with Errol Schmidt as uh, as they uh, uh, make some adjustments in their team as well as Wickens. Uh, they've ag- agreed to pay out their contract till they have uh, sealed and uh, deal with another team. We'll see what happens. We talked about possibilities of Graham Rahal and DCR. Uh, maybe uh, – uh, 
uh, a possibility to move over to NASCAR because Honda certainly want to make make that move as well. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joined us, and Rick Reagan joined us in the last half hour to talk some college uh, football. But joining us now straight from the boats of the Niagara Falls and didn't go over in a barrel, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, our official NFL contributor, and he's also with SI.com. How are you, sir? How was, how was the fall? Uh, just terrific. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, my daughters, my teenage daughters saw it for the first time, and they were vastly impressed, which it takes a lot to impress teenage girls. But uh, they loved it. They <laughs> want to go back. Very soon they want to go back. So it was, it was a good trip to Buffalo, no doubt. Well, that's good. It's also a good trip for the a good trip for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll we'll get into that in just a moment. I, I've heard, I've never been to Niagara Falls. My sisters has. Uh, they said that to go at night. That's like really spectacular yeah. to see it at night. So yeah, they, very, they do a good job. They light up. Yeah, they light up both. You know, the American side and the Canadian side, and. Uh, yeah, it looks. It just looks terrific. Now I heard it's great to go when the falls are frozen, which is hard to believe. Right. Yeah. Actually, uh, freeze up. But uh, you know, my daughters are already googling when that happens because they want to take the trip up there. But uh, you know, it's about a six-hour drive from Philadelphia uh, to to up to Niagara Falls, so it's not terrible. But in January or February, it could get a little dicey. Well, certainly a good game, like I said, with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and uh, against Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are certainly playing a lot better football than what we thought they would be. Uh, they might be one of the best, uh, one of the top five teams in the AFC, uh, but certainly a good game for them. Joining us now also, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, Mo I, I hear you're representing boobies in the, in the, in the World Series now. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Hey, you know, we were just talking about it. This is the last segment, guys. This is one of the best World Series ever. Congratulations to the Nationals. I was rooting for them. I'm a National League guy. But, I mean, we had boobies. We had controversial calls. We had cussing. I mean, we had it all. Did I mention that we had boobies in the World Series? Mo, <laughs> what are your thoughts about the World Series real quickly before we get into this NFL talk? Well, I mean, the one thing it didn't have was ratings. I think Fox was uh, was certainly disappointed by the World Series, mm-hmm. but they may have been the only ones. But, uh, yeah, it did, uh, it did have boobs, and uh, whenever you can uh, – speed up the game of baseball by seeing boobs. I'm okay with it. Well, and I think the MLB kind of overreacted. Ed, get your thoughts on this. Because, I mean, any sporting game that you go to, and, and I and I go to a lot of racetracks, you, you can see some boobs. They're going to be there. I think, first of all, they banned them from all MLB activities. That's a little overkill, but how are they going to recognize? Oh, I recognize you because I never saw your face. And for, second of all, once you get into this, guys, these guys were these girls were Instagram models. They were advertising, "Hey, we're going to be at this seat. We're not sure what's going to happen, but tune in in Game Five, and we're going to show you what we're going to show you." We know they didn't buy their own tickets, so they actually aver- they got thousands of followers on Instagram, Ed, and they were telling people to go to Game Five and watch the game. So, if if, if anything else, like he's like most of the ratings wasn't there, but don't you think the MLB kind of overreacted on this? Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know how you're going to police that, but you know, listen, I may have, they may have picked up thousands of Instagram followers, but you know, if I was their agent, I could have gotten them thousands of dollars. And if they would have painted like StubHub across their, uh, across their chest or, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, with all the branding going on, uh, with, you yeah. know, you see it on NBA uniforms with the commercialization. So I would have, you know, if I, if they had an agent, 
I would have put StubHub across there, reached out to StubHub, you know, some advertising that way, although I don't know who would have been looking at, you know, the words that were on their chest at that point. But still, I think they, you know, if they were smart, they could have turned this into a cash opportunity. Yeah, I, hey, I look uh, at chess just for the articles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, it's, that's been the topic on social media ever since it happened. I mean, but it was an exciting World Series. It, that it, it, Mo made a good point. The ratings weren't as high as I think the MLB would have liked it. But, I mean, it was an exciting seven games, first time ever that the home team, I mean, that the road team has won all seven games. I mean, an exciting series, probably one of the best I've ever seen. And and I, my team wasn't even playing. I mean, it was the it was the um, the Nationals that were playing in the Astros. Well, let's get into some NFL conversation. We have got a lot to cover. We'll start with you, Ed. Uh, big game last week with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, good W there. But uh, talk with us about what's going on uh, there in the Philadelphia Eagles camp this week. Well, I guess the big news is the Eagles will probably have Deshaun Jackson uh, back on the field against the Bears Sunday. He's missed the last six games and really seven. He didn't play more than, you know, five snaps against Atlanta before he uh, suffered what was a sports hernia. So uh, he's supposed to come back. I don't know how effective he'll be. I don't know if they'll just carry him on the 53 uh, for, or rather the 46 for game day and, and uh, you know, maybe use him as a decoy or not play him at all. Just give the Bears something to think about. But, uh, you know, I think he's going to play and, um, you know, he certainly changes the dynamic of this Eagles offense when he's out there. But, you know, the Eagles kind of found a running game last week. And, you know, they kind of found it in Green Bay, too. Two of their biggest wins this year, uh, of course, against the Packers, who the only loss by Green Bay is against Philly. And the Eagles ran for 176 yards uh, on the ground in that game. And then they go to Buffalo and put up 218 on the ground. That's the most ever uh, on the ground in Doug Peterson's four years here. So, you know, the question is, is, you know, are they going to fall out of the, out of love with the run game now that Deshaun's back and, you know, try to force the ball to him? Or are they going to try to stay balanced and, and use that run game? Jordan Howard, of course, former Bear uh, running back, uh, was inexplicably traded away for a sixth-round pick uh, in the offseason. The Eagles are certainly happy to have him. Matt Nagy was uh, hammered with that question during a conference call with media, Philadelphia media uh, this week about why he traded. Uh, why they would trade someone like Jordan Howard, especially when you look at the Bears' run game, which I think is in the bottom uh, of the league, you know, I think 26th in the run running game. And I know David Montgomery had a nice game last week on the ground. Um, he's a rookie. Uh, we'll see how he progresses from there. Um, but, you know, the, the Bears are clearly a team that needs to run the ball because Mitch Trubisky hasn't developed the way, uh, you know, they had hoped in his third year here. So uh, that has been a big storyline that Jordan Howard, uh, return now Howard's such a quiet kid doesn't say much he didn't want to talk too much about you know a revenge he didn't say it was a revenge game or anything like that he's just a good kid that uh, goes about his business and uh, Miles Sanders the rookie from Penn State had a good game last week in Buffalo ran for a 65 yard touchdown he seems to be you know early in his uh, career here he looked like he tried to do too much which kind of rookies will do they you know they want to hit the home run every play so you kind of have to be patient in the NFL and wait for it to come and you see him progressing to the point where you know I think he needs to be mentioned in the offensive rookie of the year category he leads all rookies in uh, all-purpose yards um, he's having a really nice season kind of under the radar but uh, you know, those are kind of the storylines. Eagles run game. Will they continue to hammer away? That Bears defense is so good. And, um, you know, it's going to be tough to crack that Bears defense. But maybe if they keep running the ball and kind of wear it down a little bit, um, maybe they'll have some success. 
Uh, we're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, and Mo for the BS Sports Show. Mo, I know you cover two teams, the Browns and the Bears. We'll start with the Bears. Aren't we seeing the end of uh, the Mitch era at the Chicago Bears? I mean, I think just like every Bears fan and even some of his teammates, people just kind of throwing their hands up. But, you know, you, what do you do? You've invested time and a lot of money. You look back at the quarterbacks that the Bears could have had, and uh, you kind of just, uh, you know, it's like repeatedly getting kicked in the nuts. It's just, it's unbelievable how uh, how Mr. Trubisky has seemed to have regressed. You know, it's uh, it's a tale of two Mitches, and you never know which week which one you're going to get. But uh, unfortunately, this year it seemed like you're getting the bad one uh, every game. So if you're the Bears and you have a down season, do you go after another quarterback after spending so much draft capital on Mitch Trubisky? The offense, like Ed said, is stagnant. They need to run the ball. Uh, you know, Tariq Cohen seems like he's regressed a little bit. And the Bears' defense, which was uh, world beaters last year, you know, they're not terrible, but they're they're also not uh, they're not saving games like they were last year. So maybe Mitch looked a little better last year than he actually was because the Bears' defense was bailing out so much. So it's uh, it, it's a it's a mess in Chicago. Well, it is, and it's also a mess with Cleveland. But you, you got you got the uh, the Broncos coming up. Uh, I mean, on paper. It, it looks like you you could you could handle the Broncos. I mean, again, but the Broncos gave the Colts all they could handle, and I don't think that my ticker could handle very many more games like last week uh, against the Broncos and and the Colts. The Broncos defense is killer. Uh, the Browns and the Broncos. Let's say you. Well, I mean, you know, you, you take away one of the Browns' best weapons when the Broncos lose Joe Flacco. So, you know, I mean, Joe Flacco was just a a target back there for every defense, it seems like, this year so far. So, uh, you know, the Browns have become a dumpster fire. They've become the Browns. They do what the Browns do, and they fall apart. uh, There's some turmoil turmoil in the locker room that isn't being talked about uh, between Freddie Kitchens and uh, and Baker Mayfield, and I think Odell Beckham Jr. It's just like most people thought when uh, they acquired those types of – of attitudes that there's now some issues. Surprise, surprise. So uh, there's still offensive line issues uh, for the Browns. Obviously, there's uh, uh, you know they got to keep Baker protected. He doesn't have time to get rid of the ball. Baker has not been accurate, uh, and they're trying to force the ball to Odell Beckham too much. And then last week, you know, you you start off with three straight turnovers and three plays that doesn't help anything at all. So uh, hopefully the Broncos will cure what ails the Browns. But at this point, who knows? And let's talk a little bit, guys. Let's talk a little bit about my homer team, the Colts. Like I said last week at home against the Broncos, great game, <laughs> came down to the end. But I, I'm going to tell you what: if if we had lost by three points, I mean the 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 horns would still be beating for uh, what's going on with Adam Vinatieri. But yet he ends up winning the special teams player of the week. Started off by missing a field goal. Uh, hits a 55, misses a 53 thing. I mean, clearly we won as, as, as a big part of of uh, Adam Vinatieri. But, man, the D knew how to stop. And I, I tell you what, last week the Broncos uh, put on camera a good way uh, to beat the Colts and with that big disruptive defense that the, that the Steelers have at home. I mean, first of all, it's been five five match meetings since the Colts have beat the Steelers, and never beat them at, at home at Heinz Field. Granted, we won in a hostile envir- environment at Kansas City. I think we can win. I mean, I'm a I'm a diehard believer, 
but man, the Colts have their work cut out for them tomorrow in Pittsburgh, Ed. Well, I think if they're ever going to win in in Pittsburgh and then you know end that streak that you talked about, now's the time to do it. I, you know, the Steelers, Mason Rudolph to me just is a you know I, I don't I'm not sold on him at all, and um, that offense, uh, you know I don't think. James Conner's going to play. I don't think Benny Snell's going to play. So, you know, what are you going to do at running back if you're the Steelers? You know, Mason Rudolph is not going to win you a game. Um, so you have to win it with the defense. And, uh, you know, I think the Colts run the ball well enough. I mean, they're going to be missing T.Y. Hilton too, which which hurts. Um, you know, he's going to miss a couple yes. games here. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't help. But, you know, I think Frank Reich again and, and his staff just find a way to uh, – you know, dissect an opponent's defense and then play to their strengths to ha- on how to beat that defense. And, um, you know, he did it against Denver, and you can say what you want about uh, Adam Vinatieri, and, you know, I think this is the end for him, probably his last year. Um, he's missed four field goals, four PATs. Just, that's just not going to get it done, um, you know, and it's been a great career, uh, and it was a huge kick that he made. But I think the Colts will find a way uh, to win this game with a good ground attack. You know, they'll run the ball. Uh, and have uh, Brissett do just enough to to get the team in the end zone, and I, you know, I think the Colts will win this game. I really do. I think they might win it by a touchdown. I, I know they've played close games this year. I think seven of their their games have been, uh, you know, within one score uh, as a mm-hmm. final score. So you know it's going to be close, but I, I think they can win this game by a touchdown uh, in Pittsburgh. I tell you what. Uh, I'm loving me some Colts, loving me some Frank Reich, and he's doing a great job here in Indianapolis. And, and uh, we we love us some Frank Reich, and uh, just he just he's not afraid to take risks and just really doing a great job. Hey Mo, what's the bigger story that the San Francisco's are are, are uh, eight and zero, or uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals uh, uh, were within three of beating San Francisco, or Johnny Garoppolo? Uh, saying, hey, babe, to Aaron Andrews on the air. <laughs> What's one of those the right. story of that game? <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think it's the fact that San Francisco, they know, but it's how they're doing it. You know, in today's NFL, you wouldn't expect a team to be, uh, you know, be undefeated in the way they're doing it. So I think the way that the, uh, that the Niners have, uh, have become undefeated is, uh, is more the story than anything. And what are your thoughts about this? So the San Francisco uh, 49ers, uh, are, are they who we thought they are? Or Man, they, they we wake up one morning and they're 8-0. and and But, I mean, Kyle Murray's the real deal, too, there for Arizona. They've got themselves a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah, Kyler Murray looks pretty good, um, no doubt. But Jimmy G, I just think this, the Niners are kind of feeding off his swagger. And then that, that defense, you know, the Patriots get a lot of, uh, love for being the best defense in, in decades this season, you know, and they are playing well, but the entering the weekend, it was the Niners defense that was ranked first overall in the NFL. It wasn't New England's. Um, and yet you don't hear a whole lot about that. Uh, you know, and New England gets all the love and, you know, this 49ers team, you're eight. No, you're not. That's not an accident. You're a good team. And they, they are a force to definitely be reckoned with. And, you know, to me right now, they're the favorite to come out of the NFC and represent uh, the NFC in the Super Bowl. How, how can you not pick them? And, you know, Jimmy G, you know, like I said, that swagger. I love him saying, hey, babe, Aaron Andrews. I, I thought that was classic. Um, he bro- you know, and, he and broke Twitter he, with it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And I, and I just think, you know, t- players in the locker room, I'm not in that locker room, but I, I just think they're having fun. And they're, you know, they're, they're a good bunch, uh, good bunch of guys in the locker room. They're all pulling together. And Nick Bosa, you know, looks like he probably will be the defensive uh, MVP. 
at this point, even though Josh Allen in, in Jacksonville has kind of similar numbers to Bosa. But again, you know, Bosa's getting all the love and Josh Allen in Jacksonville is not because Jacksonville's record is what it is. And, you know, Bosa plays on a very formidable defense. But, um, you know, I just think you can't discount the 49ers at this point. You know, to me right now, they're, they're the teams coming out of the NFC into the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, uh, Garoppolo broke Twitter with all the Me Too people saying was, and so Aaron had to chime in and say, I took no offense to it. Uh, uh, I'm a happily married uh, woman, and my husband wasn't mad about it. It's all good. Everybody needs to calm down. But it's just, he's it, like, okay, babe, I, I get, I get it. I understand why it got all kinds of attention. But man, but let's talk about the the eight no San Francisco 49ers as opposed to I mean is that what, what's what's worse that or Joe Namath they kissed and remember a few years back he was so drunk he kissed uh, uh watched her face on the, on the cheek and tried to kiss her on the lips on the air remember that <laughs> yeah Su- Susie so, Colber yeah Susie Colber yeah that's yeah that's what it was thing. Yeah. all right Mo, Mo let's um, uh, let's yeah. let's go. Mo, let's say we're going across the pond tomorrow. The Jaguars against the Texans. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh? Well, I feel like the NFL is trying to make the people of London hate football by sending the Jaguars every year. <laughs> at, at what point is enough enough? You know, I mean, but they do get to see Gardner Minshew, so uh, that should be fun for them. It'll be more interesting this for the Jaguars once uh, Nick Foles is healthy and we see what uh, what happens uh, at the quarterback position. So. This week's matchup doesn't really excite me much. J.J. Watt, obviously, out for the year. But uh, it'll be more interesting to see what uh, happens at quarterback for the Jaguars here in a couple of weeks. All right, Ed, you got the Bears. Uh, we just talked about Mitch. You guys are at home. Uh, Carson Wentz seems to have a stride going. Uh, you, you talked about getting things ironed out in the locker room there. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, host uh, the Chicago Bears, good matchup. Always a good NFC matchup between uh, the Eagles and the Bears. Yeah, I, you know, I did talk about the Sean Jackson coming back, possibly, probably tomorrow or Sunday. And uh, you know, again, he's not the only one. You know, Darren Sproles will probably play uh, the running back. He's missed uh, three games. Um, you know, and and Avante Maddox, the cornerback who was taken off the field in Green Bay on a stretcher, he's going to come back uh, tomorrow to take over in the slot. So. You know, the Eagles are getting healthy right now. They they had that three-game road trip. This is their first home game since October 6th against the Jets. They were away for three straight. They went one and two in those three games. The only team in the NFL to play three straight road games. And that's tough. That's tough to do. They went to Minnesota, Dallas, and then Buffalo. So, you know, the second half of the schedule really sets up fairly nicely for them in terms of home games. You know, they have the Bears, then they go on a bye, and then they come back and they play the Patriots and then the Seahawks on Sunday night football. So, even though these games are at home, it's not against any slouches. You know, you're going to have uh, two Super Bowl contenders coming in here after the Bears, um, you know, and then coming out of the bye. And, um, you know, the Seahawks got a lot better by adding Josh Gordon, obviously, in, in the waiver process uh, yesterday or Monday, I think it was, or maybe earlier. Um, but anyway, they added Josh Gordon. But the, but the rest of the season sets up nicely. The Eagles still have to go to Miami, you know, who, who has yet to win a game. So, really, that probably counts as a win. And then – after that, they have their division games. You know, Dallas has to come to Philadelphia. They have to play the Giants twice and then the Redskins again. So, you know, you're probably going to win at least three of those games, I would think, and, the, and then maybe you beat Dallas. So, I mean, for the Eagles, it all starts against the Bears, though. You know, this is their first home game. They're going to feed off the emotion of the crowd. They haven't been in, in their own stadium now for, a, you know, a month, um, and, and they're going to feed on that. And it's going to be tough, I think, for the Bears to come in here and counter that. 
Um, now, like I said, now if Wentz doesn't play well or if the running game turns the ball over and the, and the Bears force some turnovers, the Bears can come out with a win. But, you know, I think that's what they're going to have to do to come out with a win uh, against the Eagles. The Eagles have done a pretty decent job of holding the ball. Um, you know, Wentz, I think, only has four interceptions or maybe three. And, you know, he has had a couple fumbles. But, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky, they're going to try to pressure him and uh, force him into mistakes and try to contain, contain him in the running game. Um, which they didn't do a very good job with against Josh Allen last week, but they did force a fumble from Allen that kind of turned the game around. So, you know, the Eagles are going to get after Trubisky as best they can, and, they, and they're very tough at home, the Eagles. They play pretty well. They feed off the crowd, and, um, you, you know, and like I said, they are getting healthy again. All right, we've got time for one more game. The Vikings are starting to find their strides, and they're going into Kansas City. Uh, still kind of iffy about Patrick Mahomes. I'm not even sure if he's even going to play tomorrow. Mo, what are your thoughts the Vikings at Kansas City? Well, you know, it would be obviously a much more fun game if Patrick Mahomes does play. But, you know, it still scares me. Can Kirk Cousins win big games? And, uh, you know, that's one thing he hasn't proven over the last couple of years. And so, you know, I want to see them go in there and win a big game. Kirk Cousins has tended to falter uh, when it comes to big game time. And, uh, you know, for, for Vikings fans, to me, that's still concerning. You know, Dalvin Cook uh, has uh, had a phenomenal year so far, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Stefan Diggs can have another big game. But I want to see Kirk Cousins lead the uh, the Vikings to a win in a big game. And until then, I, I'm always going to probably pick against him. All right, guys, the, today is our, our kickoff, if you will, of No Shave November. Make sure everybody goes to our group. We got it posted up on 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 uh, on social media. Don't shave. The more you grow, the more you raise for the bros. Ed, are you uh, are you gonna are you gonna shave? I mean, I see you shave your head, but you, you don't shave your face. Uh, yeah, you know, I as much as I'd like to participate in it for for the cause, I just I have a real problem with hair on my face. It itches. It, you know, it's scraggly. My wife doesn't really like to kiss me, um, and that's a problem. <laughs> You know, so well, that that the seal dealer. If I can't not, if I can't get no smooches from the wife, it's a deal breaker. <laughs> You're darn right. You're darn right. So uh, I, I I will be shaving. Maybe maybe I'll shave every other day or every third day though. Uh, just okay. Just, just enough to get the the five o'clock. And, and here's the, the thing, yeah. guys. Not just you, but just anybody that's listening. Just go and donate through our group. Even if you don't shave, even if you decide to shave, just go ahead and throw a few dollars uh, toward the cause. It's certainly a, a great cause for men's uh, men's cancer. We do this every year. Have a lot of fun with it. I wear a goatee normally, facial hair, but I shave everything off this week, and now it's starting to grow back. Now I'm starting to get that five o'clock shadow going. But I went in to work uh, with no, with no facial hair. And someone goes, who's the new guy? So <laughs> I look like a little kid. I look like a baby. Uh, so, that you know, it's all for a good cause. Mo, are you going to shave? Uh, yeah, probably, but I will not shave my testicles for the entire month of November. Deal. <laughs> we had to get back on the manscaping, didn't we? Had to get back on the manscaping. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, real quickly, thumbs up or thumbs down. We'll start with you, Ed. Thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, and Bell stays or goes with the Jets? Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think he stays at this point. Maybe in the offseason they try to uh, get rid of him. I mean, you know, the Jets are a mess, let's face it. And they, 
Uh, I don't think Gase wanted to sign Bell, but, you know, it all depends on whether they bring Gase back. I mean, you know, Gase hasn't done that team any favors. Um, didn't do well in three years in Miami. I don't know how he landed a job with the Jets. So I think it depends on Gase. If Gase comes back, he's, Bell's probably gone. If, if Gase doesn't come back, I think Bell stays. So thumbs up that he stays then. Okay. Mo, uh, Mo yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down that Bell stays with the Jets? Well, I'm hoping thumbs in the middle because I'm hoping that the Jets just secede from the NFL and, and go do something else. I'm tired of watching the drama and Jets and Fireman Ed makes me ill to my stomach. So I'm hoping that the Jets no longer are an NFL team by next year. So I guess that would mean he would be gone. All right, guys, we have to wrap it up and put a bow on it. Mo, uh, Mo where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Uh, most likely at this weekend, probably in prison somewhere. But uh, at Mo Radio Show on Twitter. All right, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend. Uh, Ed Kratz, Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SI.com, our official NFL contributor. Ed, we follow you all over Twitter, but where can people find you and your work, your masterpieces, and what you got going on with the Eagles? Uh, Yeah, SI.com. You can find me. You can slash NFL slash Eagles. It brings you right to my my channel there on SI.com. And uh, you know, or hit me on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. Absolutely. We try to retweet as much as we possibly can with you, sir. You have yourself a good weekend. Go Eagles. And I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Go Colts. Yes, sir. All righty. All right. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, SA.com, our official NFL contributor. Thanks, guys, for joining us. we got to wrap it up and say goodbye. Um, uh, thanks to Kyle Courtney, Super Steelers fan, joining us, helping us break down the Colts. And the Steelers, also Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Thank you, Matthew, for your uh, soundbite on James Hinscliffe, that story. Uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Uh, Rick Riggin, uh, our co- official college football contributor. Ed Kratz and Mo from the BS Sports Show. Remember, guys, we're kicking off No Shave November. Do not shave your face. Donate a few bucks. Go to our site. My name is Tom Mark with El Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.